What's up? This is episode 106, Topical Zoom. We're talking about product management and hiring product managers today. Let's do it. One, two, three, let's go. Welcome to the Design Your Thinking podcast, a show where we think, learn, and explore the product mindset so you can design better products every day. And now your host, Karthik. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much again for tuning in. We are continuing our conversation with our guest with whom we started to talk back in episode number 105, Mike Knoop. Now he is the co-founder of Zapier, which is a remote first company, meaning which they have all the employees spread across the globe and they meet once a year in a retreat. Well, we uh, continue this conversation with him and we talk about uh, other stuff, including his, you know, Mike's pension to side projects and as to how he picks these side projects and what he does with them and how they kind of uh, find their way back into the product in, uh, in today's context. And also he goes on to talk about his perspectives on hiring product managers. Now, you might wonder because companies which are completely remote uh, have a different set of tasks or challenges to deal with and hiring is a big challenge too. Now, especially hiring product managers can get very challenging because uh, the, the way you hire product managers, I thought, was very different when it comes to a remote-first company. So without much ado, let's jump right into this conversation with Mike. But before we went ahead with the episode, I'd like to introduce you to the Tiny Book of Triggers, a project you know that I've been working on in the recent times. As product managers and designers, we are passionate about our work and always are looking to explore new areas to learn and grow our knowledge, skills and career. We sometimes pick a book, listen to a podcast or take up a course uh, in the quest of gaining knowledge. The Tiny Book of Triggers is a tool for product managers and designers to explore new learning opportunities. It's a book that covers 12 topics and has about 120 triggers. These triggers are essentially, you know, actions that help you get started with learning something new. The Tiny Book of Triggers gets updated regularly with more triggers compiled from successful practitioners and experts who've been on this show. The goal is to constantly bombard you or give you a supply of more triggers, ideas to help you stay on top of your learning and career goals. To get yourself a copy of the Tiny Book of Triggers, just head over to tinybookoftriggers.com. That's T-I-N-Y-B-O-O-K-O-F-T-R-I-G-G-E-R-S.com. All right, let's jump right back into this conversation with Mike Knoop. And if you're listening to this episode first, before listening to episode number 105, let me quickly give you an introduction to our guest today. Our guest today is Mike Knoop. Now, he is the co-founder and CPO at Zapier, a 100% remote company that aims to help people across the world automate parts of their work. As a CPO, Mike runs Zapier's product teams today helping them set and execute their roadmaps and strategy. Mike got a mechanical engineering degree from the University of Missouri and now calls San Mateo, California, his home. Let's do this. Let's jump right 
back into this conversation that we were having with Mike back in episode number 105 where you talked about the way you scale your team. So in, in that, you also talked about uh, a team that uh, does or, or invests time into doing stuff that is new, you know. Uh, so I kind of um, t- tend to think about new stuff as side projects. And I, I think from the way I've seen you work, uh, I think you love to do a lot of side projects. So, you know, do you still invest time yeah. in, in doing these side projects uh, today? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, as my I mentioned at the top of the call, like, I like building stuff. I started out Zapier as an engineer. And as the company has grown, I've definitely moved more into management aspects, which is a little bit more divorced from writing software, which I still enjoy doing from time to time. So this is kind of my like own personal outlet to okay. being able to write software is I find side projects I can work on. Um, what ends up happening is like a lot of my side projects often turn into just like things for Zapier. <laughs> um, that's, that's definitely uh, more common than not for the things I work on. Right. I mean, I actually guessed as much. Uh, so, how do, then how do you go about picking these side projects? I mean, is there some way you kind of oh, you kind of map everything and say, okay, this may be useful for Zapier, so let me pick pick this one up and try to do something? How does it go? Yeah, that's a lot of that. You know, it, it's kind of like I don't know. I, I can never get my mind. I, I can never get too far away from like the problem solving mindset. So when uh-huh. I see problems inside Zapier, like organizational problems or customer problems. Um, and I don't see anyone in Zapier that's like particularly well suited to like, you know, solve that or motivated to solve it. Uh, oftentimes, I'll just like go hack on a side project or something to get that done, uh, or or for personal use cases too. Um, a, a good example of this is something I'm uh, uh, I'm working on right now. I've got like a personal use case that I want to use for Zapier to do some like budgeting, and yeah. Zapier doesn't have any integrations with like. Um, any like bank accounts or uh, ways that you can get like transa- transaction data out of credit cards. So kind of exploring a couple of projects, side projects right now. And like, you know, h- how could I like get some, how could I get some of that financial data that we could mm-hmm. maybe like pipe through Zapier as, as an app on Zapier? Um, you know, that's one example right. of a side project. Another one, uh, actually something that our, our team uses every single day now is a tool we built ourselves called, um, called async. Uh, I mentioned we use Slack as our uh, as our communication hub. Right. Um, uh, another like key tool that we use in our communication hub is uh, this tool called Async, and it's basically an internal blog. It's uh, patterned off of um, WordPress's P2. Uh, Word- mm-hmm. Automatic is another um, largely remote company, and right. uh, kind of borrowed this idea from them. Basically, like you know, if you've ever read, I think it's the Daniel Kahneman book, the Thinking Fast and Slow. Mm-hmm. Um, Slack is like our version of of like fast thinking, right? It's people who you know conversations move very quickly. It's more of a reaction. Um, async is our slow thinking tool. So, and I actually like designed it that way intentionally. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's got big text boxes that are five six hundred pixels tall. Uh, the page like it's not Ajaxy. The page you know reloads when you click submit. Um, there's long form comments on it and it's just an idea. It's more where people and Zapier show their work and uh-huh. like talk about finished work or checkpoints on work instead of just like getting the work actually done itself. Um, and this was inspired by basically just a side projects I saw in the early days when, you know, we, we had, we were using, I think uh, campfire at the time, another live chat tool. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really have a play, a unified place for everyone to like write and publish internally. And I, you know, I started looking around at solutions and, um, kind of started hacking on this as a, as a side project. And it eventually turns into a tool that um, people inside Zapier post to every single week 
uh, we have about I'd, we have over a hundred things that get posted there each week now. Wow, that's nice. I mean, is is this a tool available uh, for public view by any chance? It's curious. Not yet. I want. I want to though. Um, this is on my mind. <laughs> I really would like to open source it because I think I think a lot of companies do remote work and are like Slack first. Um, right. Could benefit from a tool like this, and there's other tools out there you could use that do like you could replicate it with something like WordPress P2. But we certainly customized it a little bit for um, the way we work at, at Zapier. I'm I'm really interested. So uh, when it comes out, I'll definitely look out for that. So uh, so Mike, uh, let's move on here. I mean, um, you talked about early that saying that that about a year and a half back you started to break your teams into smaller teams and. Um, and get the product kind of focused on different areas. And you wrote about this as well in the blog post. So what are the challenges you faced, you know, hiring your first product team specifically? How many product managers do you have today? Uh, if, if I may ask Mike. Yeah, we have um, four or five, depending on how you count. <laughs> Some people are kind of have the role, but don't have the, t- the title like myself. As far as challenges for that first product team, um, I think this is actually a pretty. Cha- I think this is a pretty big challenge of hiring uh, product managers in general. Um, is the role is so horizontal, it's mm-hmm. sometimes tricky to figure out what, especially for your company, where you want that like T shape to be. You know, the, the, the kind of contact idea of like the T shaped employee, where they have a breadth right. of, of skills, but then they're very deep and experienced in one particular area. And I found it's kind of challenging to figure for product managers, especially when you're evaluating like skills for the role, what is that T-shape you want them to be really strong at? Um, and then how do you evaluate like the rest of the T-shape? Because it, product managers at the end of the day are like hole fillers in a lot of ways, right? It's like if there's a, if there's a part of the team that, um, you don't, that doesn't have time or you don't have a particular like person on your team that you need, like a user researcher or a visual designer or, you know, a particular engineer, it's like, how, how do you get that stuff done regardless of those roadblocks? And the best product managers figure out ways to get it done. So the more holes you can fill, the more horizontal you are in that T-shape, generally the more effective you're going to be at like your job. It, you know, you're going to be, not to say you would be not effective if you didn't have those skills, but you'll be way more effective than like the, the comparable product manager in another company if you've got mm-hmm. this horizontal breadth of skills from being able to, you know, write SQL and do data analysis to, um, setting task management, doing task management with your team, to doing user research, to being able to give thoughtful UX criteria, like uh, uh, critiques on designs that your team is working on. Um, right. Being very, very like cross-functional and horizontal like that, I think makes ha- has made people very effective inside Zapier, but it's a very challenging thing to screen for. Hmm. And how did you go about picking um, the, the 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 vertical, the T, the one skill that? Um, that they they were deep and uh, experienced at whether some ways you went about I, uh, prioritizing them. Yeah, I don't know if we've solved this quite yet. So we've been trying. I, basically, and I think this is something you can apply to every type of hiring. Is it, it's a very iterative process. Right. Um, <laughs> particularly, I've learned this at, at scale with Zapier. Is um, you got to start somewhere and take a guess and try it and like put together an interview process. And make sure, like, the most important thing, I think, for an interview process is to make sure it's producing signal that mm-hmm. you can track later and go back to and look at in the past. Because likely what's going to happen in the future is you're going to have a really good teammate or uh, maybe not so great teammate. And what you want to be able to do is go back and look at the interview process and say, okay, like, 
what signal did we get that indicated that this may have been good or may mm-hmm. have been bad? Um, so we didn't like burn as much organizational time because at a small company, time is like the most precious resource you have. Um, like the clock is running for almost every company. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've just taken a very iterative approach to it, right? It's like the, the first, um, I don't even remember exactly the set of questions we asked for our first product management hire, but I'm, I, I know it wasn't the best. <laughs> um, it, it probably could have been a lot better if I took the learnings I have now from how, how I've seen more, some of our more successful product managers and went back to it. Um, you know, t- today, the, the thing we're kind of working on is designing and working on designing a kind of a skill set of interview that allow PMs to try to surface a lot of the small parts of all of these individual tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of asking for a very specific one. Because I, I noticed when we tried to focus on just that T-shape, when, when we tried to focus on just the depth in right. a particular interview process, we kind of missed and didn't give the candidate chances to um, demonstrate skills, their horizontal skills that they might or might not have. Hmm. Um, so we're trying to design the next iteration of this uh, skills interview we're working on is more of an opportunity for candidates to um, you know, look, look across all the skills they have instead of just focusing on one. Um, right. and we'll, we'll see how that goes. And if that works out, we'll keep doing it. And if not, we'll, we'll uh, keep iterating. So which brings me to this question, how do you really go about hiring product managers given the remoteness of the way you work? Yeah, I think this applies for like how we do hiring for any role. It's after, I don't think, I don't think there's anything too particularly special about how we, we do hiring for product managers as opposed to other roles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a few things we try to do uh, for all candidates who apply to Zapier is be very, very thoughtful for the candidate going through the process. So, for example, we commit to a seven-day turnaround time uh, for communication um, for every candidate. That's not to say we'll t- tell you yes or no in seven days, but that means we will be communicating with you at least once every seven days. You'll get an email from us. Like It might just be, hey, we're still reviewing candidates, but you're going to hear from us. Um, and it's, this is to avoid that kind of situation where you like you know, blindly submit your resume and you never hear back, right? Like that's right. just sucks for everyone involved. So, um, you know, when we post a job on our, on our website, we're actually going to be hiring for that role. It's not like a role we might hire for in a year from now. Like there is actively a, a hole in the company that we want to fill that we're trying to actively hire someone to do. Um, the other pieces of the process, it's intentionally short. So, um, you know, we've actually have a commitment to candidates on our website that details the entire process, but at, at a high level, you know, there's an application, uh, a job, a phone, a phone screen, a skills interview, and uh, references in an offer. Um, mm-hmm. So we try to keep this process really, really short. We actually one unique thing is we actually uh, never meet people in person before we hire them. I guess that is one probably unique thing of Zapier hiring that might be a little dissimilar from other companies. Um, we are completely remotely, and the reason we do that is because that's how we operate. Um, we don't. I mean, we there are a few in person interactions at Zapier every year, but most of the work you do is. Uh, it, it's not sitting next to somebody in her life. So um, we feel like our hiring process should like reflect how, uh, you know, approximate and reflect what life is like actually to work at Zapier um, to give people a good sense of that up front. Wow. That's interesting. That was exactly uh, what I was looking for. So do you ever meet someone in person at all? That's pretty yeah, we uh, do. unique. You do? Yeah, this is, um, yeah, we do. Uh, you know, we're very intentional about it. Um, obviously, we, we like default to remote work, but there are really good reasons to uh, meet in person. And we do two company retreats a year where we fly everybody in the company to uh, one, uh, one location for a week. Um, and it's basically like a big hackathon for the week mm-hmm. and a couple of like meetings and presentations in the morning. Um, but largely, it's, it's like uh, it's an opportunity to kind of hear people's voices 
and right. kind of put the face behind the avatar online. Um, it helps build empathy when you know when you're working with someone online and you've never heard their voice before, you've never met them in person. It's really easy to get detached from like, oh, who is this person telling me to do this? Right? You, you can kind of make you can make not the greatest like mm-hmm. um, assumptions of where they're communicating from. And being able to hear people, hear their voice in your head, be able to like know what they look like and have met them before, it allows you to empathize a lot more with communication online. And I think it builds it, it builds a much more like um, cohesive team uh, to get people in person. Beautiful, beautiful. So, um, Mike, let's let's move on. Let's move on to uh, a different part of our chat here. So, uh, by now, I'm sure you've uh, you've been approached by. Many other startups, you through the connections in YC and even during your YC days. What are the most common mistakes you see? You know, product teams make, especially in the early stages of, you know, building a product. Maybe. Yeah, that's a good time. question. Um, I would say one of the one of the hardest things I think to know when you're working on an early product is how to know when you've got product market fit, like how to know when things are working uh, for, for small companies. If you, if you've never had product market, fit, like if you're working on your first startup and you're kind of toiling away, working on your project and trying to like, get users to use your product, mm-hmm. it's really, really challenging um, to know when things are, are, are working. Like you, you can see some, some early, you know, you can see some early traction starting, you get some paying customers. Maybe like you've got a hundred users who maybe use your products and it's tough to know like okay is this like the thing that's really working can i scale this or um do i need to keep iterating and you see this question all the the time right do i need to pivot do i need to focus on a different subset of my market to try to get more traction um and oftentimes one of the best ways and the thing we did at zapier is you you just have to solve like the the best way to find product market fit i think especially in a b2b i don't know so much Mm -hmm. about B2C. I think B2C is a different beast. <laughs> but at least in B2B, the thing to focus on is just being like extremely customer focused. Like and, and by that, it's like you, you need to solve a, a problem that someone will pay you for, and it's probably going to be a niche problem to start with. In Zapier, even though Zapier is like a horizontal tool, we didn't start out by building a horizontal tool. We started out by building one-to-one integrations between two apps that somebody on Stack Exchange wanted. <laughs> right? Like you know, we, we built we built we built like a tool that could literally solve one problem for one person. And right. we just did that over and over again. And eventually we got to the point where, okay, now Zapier can be this kind of like horizontal platform that all these apps can connect to, but it didn't start out that way. It started out by mm-hmm. identifying an individual pain points somebody had online and building something to solve it and then iterate, keep going, right? Repeat that mm-hmm. over and over again. Um, so those are some of the those are some of the early challenges I think a lot of people face is is just not being especially if you're in the B two B world is not being focused on like actually solving customers' pain points right away and making sure you're solving it by asking them to pay you money. Um, mm-hmm. It's a lot of like building the product in the back room and toiling away, waiting too long before you show it to customers. You know, trying to predict what should exist in the world and then building that before showing it to anyone. Right, all, all of those ways are easy ways to burn a lot of time and. Uh, and not ever get to that product market fit. Um, the, the best way that I've seen companies bust through this line is again, pick a niche, find custom, find problems that people actually have and will pay for and like give it to them and, and repeat that, repeat that engine. Beautiful. Is that, is that the only one that you want to share or are there more mistakes that come to your mind? 
that's probably the biggest one that I've seen. Cool. Um, there's there's more, but like that. Got it. If you can't if you can't find a problem to solve, and like you can't find someone to pay for it, you don't have a business. So that gotcha. tends to be the place to start for most companies. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, great. So we are in the fag end of this uh, conversation here, Mike. So if I had to ask you one one advice that you would want to give to my listeners who are largely product managers, early stage entrepreneurs who are who are wanting to, you know, build this compelling product, uh, you know, but truly unsure about what approach to take. Um, what would be your one advice? The, so this is a bit self-reflective, but the thing that I think worked really well for me, um, I'm not sure it'll work for everyone, but the thing that I encourage folks to do is like always it comes back to side projects. Put yourself out there and work on side projects. Um, there are a lot of opportunities that come your way when you put yourself out there. Um, you know, when I was much younger, I, I was definitely more introverted and I like didn't work on things with other people. I liked coding stuff on, on my own, right? Not showing it to anyone. When you work on stuff and actually give it to people and put it out there, like opportunities uh, surface in ways like that just you can't predict <laughs> um that's the only way that i became involved in zapier is i was working on side projects and reached out to brian and like met brian and that's how we met up at startup weekend um you know it would have been a very different outcome hadn't i done that so the more ch- the more chances you take that's how you increase odds of success i think you just have to like actually you know i i know what the chances are if you don't do that which is zero <laughs> right <laughs> i don't know if it necessarily increases the odds but i know the chances if you don't totally that's an awesome way of putting putting across, you know, you know that the fact that you should take action. So, Mike, this has been a yep. wonderful chat. Where can people find you? And is there any last parting words that you, any anything you want to share with my audience before we kind of drew the curtain down? Um, uh, maybe so. As far as online, um, you can find me on uh, Twitter, twitter.com slash Mike Knoop. Uh, Zapier is uh, zapier.com, Z A P I E R.com. Um, working on some kind of cool stuff coming up. Uh, we just launched uh, two, two fun things we launched. Uh, we did a, uh, we launched team accounts recently. So if you're a Zapier user and you have been using Zapier as an individual, now you can start inviting teammates to use Zapier with you. And we're working on collaboration features and shared billing and things that make using Zapier in a team much easier to use. So mm-hmm. uh, that exists. You can Google for it and find it. Um, the other thing we launched recently uh, that's been in the news is we recently launched a, a, a delocation initiative. Um, you know, we're, we're a remote work, we're, we're a remote first company and uh, a lot of companies out there like will pay you to move to the Bay Area. Uh, and we thought it might be fun. We pattern matched off of a few teammates who who actually moved from the Bay Area to somewhere else in the United States or somewhere else in the world. Um, so we started a thing where we'll actually pay you to leave the Bay Area if, that, if that's something you're thinking about. Um, if you're considering already leaving the Bay Area and you still want to work for a tech company, um, we'll, we'll uh, pay you to do that if you want to. And the details are on our website. And uh, we've got a couple job openings today. You can apply for it. Zapper.com slash jobs. This is awesome. So thank you so much, Mike. I will, I will have the links um, for Zapier and everything that your, your Twitter handle, everything uh, in the show notes. Thanks so much for t- uh, taking this time to be with us today, Mike. Yeah, fun. thank you, Karthik. I uh, really enjoyed it. Thank you.
All right. I hope you were enjoying listening to this conversation. Uh, literally like a fly on the wall, uh, closely listening to a lot of things that Mike had to talk about and share. I think he spoke about a lot of interesting things. And especially I love people who take up side projects. I take up a lot of side projects. And I have seen everyone who takes up side projects end up with some some sort of learnings. You don't necessarily need to end up with a startup or something that you would take to Y Combinator, but then the point is you end up richer than what you were before you started doing the side project. So that's the whole point there. And also, I really like that term that uh, Mike uses for product managers. He's, he calls product managers as hole fillers. Now, I've never ever heard somebody call product managers as hole fillers. And I really think it's a very apt term because I have seen uh, all product managers who are worth their salt really do a lot of different things outside of their work. They just don't stick to doing just what those uh, traditional product management books talk about, but they end up doing a lot of different things, including sometimes also going and taking care of customers, uh, you know, uh, in the customer support or sitting with a, a tool to put together the visual design or whatever it takes to get the project and the product moving. All right, that's all I have for today. I really, really hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. And I really, really hope Mike inspired you to take action. Take up a side project today, now. Think about something. Pick up a side project. Start making a difference to the way you look at the world and hope you end up with something interesting at the end of doing this first side project. All right. That's all I have for today. If you would like to uh, get in touch with Mike, he's a nice guy. Go and get in touch with him on Twitter and uh, you'll find the links to his Twitter handle right in the show notes. And also, I have a few links that Mike talked about, the whole uh, D-location initiative that he talked about and also some of the uh, new features that they have launched. I have all the links in the show notes. Go head over to designerthinking.com slash episode 106. That's where you can find all these links. And yeah, if you like listening to um, more such stuff, do subscribe to our podcast. You can listen to more interesting conversations coming right on after this episode. And you can do that by heading over to designyourthinking.com slash iTunes if you're using an Apple device or designyourthinking.com slash Stitcher if you're using an Android device. And yes, last but not the least, do subscribe to my newsletter by heading over to designyourthinking.com scroll all the way to the bottom of the page you'll find a little button staring staring at you just click that guy and you'll be asked to enter your first name and email address do that and i would love to see you every once in a while with some interesting conversations and thoughts about products and making stuff that's all i have for today till i see you with the next episode stay tuned stay inspired keep pushing your limits pick up that side project my friend cheers Thanks for listening to the Design Your Thinking podcast. Subscribe to our newsletter at www.designyourthinking.com. 